0: section 10 of a day at a time by archibald alexander this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by marianne section 10 smoking wicks the smoking flax he shall not quench isaiah 42 verse 3 we read the 42nd chapter of isaiah now as if it were part of the christian evangel and that is right For whoever the servant may have been, of whom Isaiah was thinking, it is Christ, and only Christ, who completely fulfills this prophecy. This is a true description of his spirit and his method, the dimly burning wick he shall not quench. The figure is not easily understood. Here is a piece of flax floating in oil, and burning so faintly that it seems a mere charred end from which the smoke coils thinly upwards. Someone comes and snuffs it out, because it smells. That is the way of the world's reformers, as Isaiah saw it, and we can see it still. By and by they will trim the wick and light it with fire of their own, but first they will quench the spark. But there is one to come, said Isaiah, shooting his arrow of prophecy in the air, who will not go otherwise about it. He will not despise the spark, because it is so feeble. He will tend it and foster it and make the evil-smelling bundle of flax into a clear, shining light. And the saying has found its mark in Jesus Christ. When a woman that was a sinner made her way into the house where he sat at meat and wept at his feet, he amazed all those present by the extraordinary gentleness of his dealing with her. He did not refer to the evil in her life. He did not, as other good men would have done, first cast her down, that he might afterwards lift her up. He simply took the beautiful impulse after good, which she brought him out of a life besmirched and tawdry, held it in his hands, a mere spark of virtue, and breathing on it, blessed it, and behold, it was a flame burning up the evil in her life, a lamp lighting her path along a new and hopeful way. That was Christ. He does not, he will not quench the dimly burning wick. Now. And this is our point. If those who profess and call themselves Christians are to have the Spirit in them that was also in Christ Jesus, must not this be their mark too? Does not this prescribe their attitude to life, that many colored, strangely mixed compound of good and evil? Good in any form, however feeble, however mixed, as in this world it inevitably is, with what is evil should find in those who call themselves, by Christ's name, its truest supporters, sympathizers, friends. To the eye and heart in sympathy with it, beauty often peeps out in strange places. The poem hangs on the berry bush when comes the poet's eye, and the whole street is a masquerade when Shakespeare passes by. So the mark of the Christ-like heart is just that it discerns, and discerning, Loves the feeblest tokens of some inward grace that redeems a life from evil. Do not be afraid that by welcoming the scant good you may be held to approve of the greater evil. That is a risk that God Himself rejoices to take. Did not Christ risk that when He accepted that poor woman's worship? Did He not risk it when He held out His hands to a man like Zacchaeus? Does He not risk it always when He declares, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And shall we refuse, because the risk is too great? Life presents us with many anomalies that refuse to square with our theories. You find men exhibiting qualities of character, which any Christian might be proud to emulate, outside of the church altogether. And you cannot simply label these glittering vices and pass on. God is not two, but one. And goodness is his token, wherever it be found. The world, says John Owen, cannot yet afford to do without the good acts, even of its bad men. And the truth for us to learn is that the grace of God is not bound by our standards or limits. Make the circle as wide as you like. You will still discover fruits of the Spirit outside, whereby all our canons they were never to be expected. And every virtue we possess, and every victory won, and every thought of holiness are his alone. It is for something more than tolerance, I am pleading. For that may be a weak and a wrong thing, if it spring not from belief in the good. What our calling demands is something more, the rejoicing, hopeful recognition of the good deed or purpose anywhere, and the offer of a sympathy and a faith in which it can grow. That gift of yours may actually be the decisive factor in a life balancing perilously betwixt good and evil. Three times the other evening I tried to light my study fire, and each time it went out. The paper burned, but the sticks apparently would not light. At last, in despair, I flung in a burning match and went away, and when I returned I found a cheerful blaze. The brief glimmer of the last match had been the determining factor. You will smile, perhaps, at the illustration, but you will remember all the better that where the flax is even smoldering, there the angels are still fighting for a soul. And you will, maybe, remember also that even your warm sympathy may turn the scale and fan the flicker to a flame. Prayer O Lord our God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, We pray that the mind that was in him may more and more be found in us. Help us to offer to what is good anywhere a sympathy in which it may grow and increase. Grant us a helpful faith in the struggling good in every man, even as thou, our Father, dost call us sons, while as yet we are but prodigals afar off. For Jesus' sake, amen. End of section 10